once they have crippled Obamacare. They think Democrats will be more eager to blame them for taking away people's coverage than to work with them on restoring it, and think that Democrats will be successful in blaming them, since they will in fact have passed a law taking it away. One serious drawback of the strategy is that it does not account for the interrelatedness of Obamacare's provisions, our sixth fact above. The partial repeal bill would abolish the fine for people who go without insurance, and might even do that effective immediately but it would leave in place Obamacare's protection for people with pre-existing conditions, both because it is popular and because it is a regulation that they think cannot be touched under reconciliation rules. Obamacare's exchanges have already been attracting a relatively sick segment of the population. Many healthy people are paying the fine instead of buying insurance. That's why many insurers have been booking losses and leaving the exchanges. If the fines are abolished, even more healthy people will decide to forego health insurance until they get sick. The result could be higher premiums, more insurers dropping out, and even fewer customers. Ending the subsidies for people buying insurance on the exchanges by a date certain, as the partial repeal bill would do, would make insurers even more inclined to leave the exchanges. People buying individual health policies outside the exchanges could be affected too, their premiums might also increase as healthy people decide they don't need health insurance. If partial repeal has these effects, Democrats will probably try to score political points by assailing the Republicans for having wrecked Obamacare without replacing it, and to demand that Republicans restore the law's repealed components rather than work with them on a replacement. The plan could amount to repealing in haste and repenting at leisure. The strategy could not be better designed to maximize disruption in health markets. Yet public hostility to such disruption is the central fact in the politics of healthcare. It is the main reason the Clinton's healthcare plan crashed and burned in the 1990s. Remember those ads saying it threatened everything viewers valued in their healthcare? It is the reason that Barack Obama spent $44 million savaging John McCain for threatening to tax employer-provided health insurance in 2008. It is the reason that one of President Obama's main talking points in selling Obamacare was that it would let people keep their plans if they liked them. It is the reason that the cancellation of many plans as a result of Obamacare's regulations became the biggest political problem his administration faced on health care since the law passed. And it is the reason Speaker of the House Paul Ryan keeps saying that Republicans will see to it that we make a stable transition from Obamacare to a better system. A better Republican strategy would be designed around Ryan's stated goal. It would begin with the understanding that Obamacare's worst features are its overregulation of health insurance and its centralization of regulation in Washington, D.C. The way Obamacare regulates insurers' treatment of people with pre-existing conditions, the benefits they have to offer, and the difference between what they can charge the young and the old have raised premiums and deductibles, resulted in insurance policies that are not attractive to the young and healthy, and so made the exchanges shaky at best in much of the country, even with the help of the individual mandate. Republicans already have a set of legislative ideas, if not yet actual legislation, that builds on that insight. The main Republican alternative to Obamacare, advanced in different forms by Senators Bill Cassidy, Arne Hatch, Richard Burr, and Marco Rubio, by the House Republicans, and by Tom Price, Trump's nominee to be Secretary of Health and Human Services, is to create a much less regulated market. In the ideal form of this legislation, people who do not have coverage through their employers would get a tax credit that allowed them to purchase at least catastrophic coverage. 
They could choose to buy more extensive coverage if they supplemented the credit out of their own pockets. Their coverage would need to satisfy only two conditions to qualify for the tax credit. It met their own state's regulatory standards, and people on the insurance rolls would be able to renew their policies or buy comparable policies if they got sick. That second requirement, common to many Republican plans, would offer real protection for people with pre-existing conditions. Those already covered by Obamacare, that is, who enrolled in the expanded version of Medicaid or bought exchange policies, would be able to stay covered. The combined effect of the regulation and the tax credit would make their coverage affordable. But healthy people would not be able to game the system by waiting until they got sick to buy coverage. The regulation would be an incentive for them to get covered while they're well. The alternative would face some criticism from both left and right. Some on the right would call it Obamacare light, since it would involve the use of tax credits to help people buy health insurance. But a replacement of Obamacare along these lines would eliminate its federal definition.